You are listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Thank you for tuning into the show today. This episode is for any beginner photographers or any human being wanting to learn the skill of how to operate a DSLR camera. Now, if you don't know or have a vague understanding of what the words ISO, aperture, and shutter speed mean, keep listening, friend. We are firm believers that no matter what business you run, if you can utilize the skill of knowing how to operate and take good photos, it will benefit your business a big time. Especially with the presence of Instagram and social media being honestly a huge way to market your business in this day and age, knowing how to take a dang good photo with a quality camera, that's huge. So just to clarify, this episode is not just for photographers, but anyone who wants to know how to operate the basic functions of a DSLR camera to take good photos. And if you're a business owner, that should be you. (laughs) You can be a product shop, a realtor, a dentist, a designer, whoever, I don't care. Taking good photos is a super, super beneficial skill. And we're here to help you with the basics, my friend. So let's go. Let's get technical. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it kind of did. Anyways, I'm really excited for today's episode. I feel like this is going to be such a fun technical show. So... Just to reiterate, this is a step-by-step settings, very technical of operating a camera. So I'd recommend listening to this multiple times or at the very least, you know, listen to it at normal speed and take notes or something like that. If you are wanting to learn about camera settings, it's going to be a pretty jam-packed technical episode. So just a a heads up, FYI, getting started. Maybe just like don't listen to it on double speed, just maybe like a tip. Yeah. <laughs> you know me, I listen to a lot of my audiobooks or podcasts on like 2x speed, but uh wouldn't recommend that for this show. Also, I've heard several people, this is a little off topic, but I've heard several people say that they've tried it on our podcast and they cannot because we talk relatively <laughs> we talk fast. fast. But Lindsay, they say you literally sound like a hyperactive squirrel. Like <laughs> it's cuz I talk already way too fast. I yes. think I've listened to our podcast back on maybe 1.5 speed. But two, absolutely not. (laughs) I love it. It's so good. All right. So to get started with this episode, I'm just going to reiterate and define some key terms when it comes to operating a camera. So there are three main settings that you have to know and balance when you're shooting in manual with a camera. Number one, aperture. Number two, shutter speed. And number three, ISO or ISO. So the best analogy that I have heard and that I wanted to share with you today is the barn door analogy. So when I was first learning photography, my friend Ben Haas was teaching me the basics of camera settings and shooting in manual. And he explained aperture and shutter speed so well with an analogy that it has honestly stuck with me all of these years. So I'm just going to give it to you here and hope that it explains a little bit of, you know, camera settings and how they operate. 
So I want you to picture some big sliding barn doors. Now that represents your lens. Aperture is the size of the opening the barn doors are in. So for example, is it this big opening that you know you could fit 15 people wide and three people tall? Or is it just a you know sliding barn door with two people wide and you know the height of one person? Something like that. Just picture the opening of the size of the barn doors that equates your aperture. Now your shutter speed is how fast those barn doors close. Now I want you to picture that barn with that big opening and those big barn doors opening and closing. And now add to that picture a water hose spraying water into the barn doors. That water represents your light or your sun. So how fast those barn doors close and how big that opening is, is how much water, aka light, it's letting into the barn. So this might be a little bit confusing. I promise it's going to get simpler and we're going to really break down each one of these settings. But this just helps you kind of understand shutter speed moving fast means that the barn doors are closing faster, which means that less water, less light is getting into the lens. If it's a smaller opening with faster barn doors, you're getting even less light into your lens. So to kind of break it down into a bit of a picture again, if it's a small garden hose shooting into the barn doors and it's just a little bit of water coming out. So for example, if it's dawn or dusk where there's really not a lot of light, you know, spraying into your lens, you're going to want as much of that light in your camera as possible. So as much of that water into your barn as possible. Now that equals a brighter image. So you want a bigger opening of for the barn doors. So a larger aperture with the doors closing a little bit slower to let more water or more light in. So a lower shutter speed. Now change that picture and picture a big fire hose with a ton of water. So maybe your bright midday light, you probably want a bit of a smaller opening. So a smaller aperture with those barn doors closing as fast as possible. So the highest shutter speed possible to keep that barn from getting flooded or that image washed out and overexposed. So basically your barn doors control the water you let in. So your barn doors or your lens controls the amount of light you're letting into your image. So how big that opening is, is your aperture and how fast those doors close equal your shutter speed. So I hope that makes sense. I hope that breaks it down a little bit of what each one does and how it controls, you know, the exposure and the settings of your camera and why it's important to adjust each one in different scenarios. So we're going to break down and start a little bit more with aperture, ISO, and shutter speed. So Lindsay, you want to get going? Yes. So I hope, yeah, that was a beautiful analogy. Um, that was beautiful. It was very <laughs> technical. I, t- I talked uh, for a solid five minutes, but... <laughs> Well, I'm going to talk for literally probably like, I'll try to keep it as short as possible, but I have a lot to say on Aperture. So we're going to dive in, just like Evie said, to each one of those three. But hopefully that image gives you a really great foundation for kind of understanding what at least shutter speed and Aperture do. That analogy doesn't cover ISO, and we'll explain why um, when we get to that. But I think it's because the main two that you really want to focus on first is Aperture and shutter speed. So Aperture is a big one. Um, <laughs> we're gonna break that down. I'm gonna I'm gonna break that down uh, in a second. Well, not in a second. Just now. I'm gonna stop talking. and I'll get to the point. Okay. <laughs> aperture. So this is the number that is normally referred to as an f-stop. 
you'll hear people say like, oh, that lens has an f-stop of like 2.0 or, or, or 22 or whatever. Um, and depending on the lens, apertures can range honestly anywhere from as low as 1.2 to as high as like 22. Um, it completely depends on the lens. Although when we were ma making these notes, my husband came in and he was like, actually, there's a lens that the aperture goes down to 0.95. And I was like, okay, oh but that's God. rare and no one uses that. Not that no one uses <laughs> that, but anyways, it's a big range. Um, but now aperture is defined as the range of what in your image is in focus. So for example, when you see an image where everything in the image is crisp, usually like a landscape photography or landscape photographer is, is usually taking a photo where everything is in focus because it's like a mountain range or whatever. And basically the subject, if you have a subject or the background, basically everything is in focus. That means they shot that image with a smaller aperture, which now this is the confusing part. Smaller aperture means a higher number. So that's like the only technical thing that's very confusing. But once you understand that, you get it. So like an aperture of an eight or higher is usually a small aperture, which I know, again, that makes no sense. Um, but just trust me on that. <laughs> just follow my analogy here. Well, I'm not really giving you an analogy, but just follow the technical here. <laughs> um, if, however, you see an image where the subject is clear, but everything behind them is super fuzzy and blurry, which is called bokeh, that's where the background is like kind of creamy, you know, like the really, ooh, like creamy. <laughs> that means that the image was taken with a large aperture, meaning that the number is like an F 1.2 or F 2.0. Like the, the, basically the aperture is a smaller number, but a larger aperture. Again, it's opposite. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of confusing because like I said, those words are opposite, but a small aperture means that the f-stop number on the camera is higher. So a small aperture is like aperture eight or aperture 15 or 22, et cetera. Um, meaning that every single thing in the image is in focus and less light is coming in. And so a large aperture means the f-stop number on the camera is lower, like 1.4 or 1.8 or 2.0. Only a very particular part of the image is in focus. So there's more creamy blur behind your subject. You know, I'm trying to use normal day language, creamy blur um, behind your subject. And there's more light getting let in. So basically, just to summarize this in general, the larger your aperture, aka the lower the number, the more light gets let in your camera. And the smaller your aperture, aka the bigger your number, the less light gets let in your camera. So if you remember anything about aperture, and that was a lot of technical talk, I know, but if you remember anything about aperture, if you're photographing people as your subject, which is a lot of people, like most people, most photographers photograph people, um, we recommend shooting on as low an aperture as possible. So like a low number as possible. We always shoot almost everything personally, like for us on aperture of 2.0. Um, or very close to that, maybe like 1.8 or 2.2 or whatever. We like a low aperture because we love our subject standing out and the background, like I love a creamy, blurry background. Like give me that bokeh all day, every day. Um, <laughs> so as long as you remember to shoot on as large an aperture, which is a low number as possible, that's the thing to remember with the exception of being like, if you're a landscape photographer, maybe you want a higher aperture, which is a low, or sorry, a smaller aperture, which is a bigger number. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that was a lot. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's just you have to remember it's it's reversed in aperture. That's the only confusing thing about apertures. So the bigger the opening on your lens, so the larger the barn doors are for your lens, the lower your number is going to be. So that's just yeah. the confusing part about aperture. But once you get that in your head, you should be good to go. So 
And I will will say real, well, sorry. (laughs) I will say real fast. I think a lot of people, they don't understand when they're shooting on, you you kind of have to have a more expensive lens to have a lower aperture. Like a lot of like kit lenses that just come with normal cameras will only go down to like an aperture of like four, which does seem like a low number, but it makes a huge difference if you can go down to four versus if you can go down to like 1.8 or two. And so a lot of times people will, like a beginner photographer will take a photo on a kit lens camera and they'll be like, why does it not look like creamy? I almost think we look at like the aperture of like creaminess of the background as like a higher quality camera because it it almost kind of does. It looks like a higher quality photo if the creamier the background, I guess. And it's usually because your lens isn't going lower than like four or six or whatever. And so it's still kind of making a lot of things in the image in focus. And so it doesn't look as crisp as far as like the subjects in focus and the backgrounds creamy. So Mm. I just want to say that that might help a lot of confusion for people that are like, why doesn't my photo, like, why can't I get it to look like that? Well, it's probably the capability of your lens. Yeah. And that's specifically, you know, for portrait photography, typically the lower you can get your aperture, the more, you know, professional it looks for portrait photography. That's not for yeah, landscape. I feel true. like it's the exact opposite for landscape. But yeah, again, exactly. that's the, but that's it's because the like, general rule of thumb. If you're photographing a mountain range, you want, you don't want just like the, but it's like, you want everything <laughs> yes. in focus, basically. Yes, you want it all sharp and beautiful. So moving on to number two, diving into shutter speed. Now, I feel like this one's going to be a lot simpler after dealing with uh, all that Aperture contains. So shutter speed, as a general rule of thumb, you want it to be as high as possible. So the lower your shutter speed, the blurrier the image can be because the more time it's taking for your camera to let that light in and capture that image, which means if you're moving or anything, you're allowing movement into that image, which is going to create that blur effect. So as a general rule of thumb, Lindsay and I never let our shutter speed drop below drop below one to over 250. So that's when we notice things start to get blurry. Even when we're shooting in darker light, instead of dropping our shutter speed to bring in more light to the image, maybe try letting more light into the camera in different ways. So by either lowering your aperture or raising your ISO a little bit, because even if it's dark, you don't want your images to be blurry unless you're intentionally doing that for stylistic reasons. So if you are shooting in bright midday light, you're probably going to want to keep your shutter speed as high as it'll possibly go. So usually around one over 8,000. Um, so shutter speed, the higher the number, the faster it clicks, which means the less light it lets in. And the lower the number, the more light it's letting in, but also the longer it's taking to capture the image, which means the more availability and option there is for movement, which means blur. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you create so much content you often feel stuck? Uh Uh-huh. Between blog posts, Instagram captions, free recreation, email campaigns, there is so much writing, right? Freaking yes. I've definitely been there, and I know how frustrating it can be to feel like you have nothing to talk about. So if you're consistently staring at a blank screen and blinking cursor, we wanted to give you an entirely free guide we just created for you. 
guys, our content creation guide is pages of content ideas that you can use to write meaningful captions, blog posts, and more that connect with your ideal audience and create that value and trust that's so vital in order to sell successfully. You can use our ideas directly. There are dozens of them that you can immediately pull from, or you can use them to trigger new ideas for your content creation process. This freebie is so jam-packed that Lindsay and I even go back and reference it when we feel stuck. It that good, fam. If you're sick of not posting or creating any content because your brain feels empty every time you step up to the plate, uh, um, the keyboard, then we got you. Bye-bye, writer's block. Hello, value-filled content. Go to www.theheartuniversity.com slash content or click the link in the show notes. Now go kick some butt and create some content. Hey, Heart fam. We had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part, (laughs) HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. And ultimately, shutter speed, like when it says like one over 250 or one over 8,000, that's talking about the the second, like the time of a second. Yes. Like, so like one over 8,000 is way, 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 way faster of a shutter click meaning less lights coming in than one over 250, which is like a slower situation, (laughs) meaning that it gives the camera more time for light to come in. So that just refers to time. All right. Number three, ISO. We haven't talked about that yet. ISO or ISO is an old film term that has translated over to digital photography, but it lost a lot of its original meaning in that transfer. So it can sometimes be a little bit hard to explain the definition of ISO. Like we even Googled, because I mean, we didn't even know what ISO like, no one actually defines or like talks about what ISO means. Um, And you don't Mm -hmm. really need to know. It's not that relevant. All you need to know is that to keep it simple, ISO basically means the higher the number, the brighter your image, but also the grainier your image. Mm -hmm. So ultimately the goal of the game is to keep your ISO as low as possible at all times. Now, if you're shooting on in like a bright daylight, like like midday light, you're going to want to keep ISO at like 100, the lowest it can go, which is 100. Um, basically, because you already have all the light from the world coming in that you don't need your camera to help boost up the brightness in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you are shooting 
at like dusk or even nighttime at a reception, for example, and you want, you're not using a flash maybe, and you're wanting natural, you're wanting to like raise the exposure of your camera. But for example, your exposure, the shutter speed, you're already as low as you can go. Cause again, we don't want to go, like Evie said, lower than like one over 250. Otherwise it gets blurry and you need to raise you need to basically add exposure and add light into your camera somehow, then that's when you need to raise your ISO. But just remember that doing so adds grain. And now a little bit of grain is okay. That's totally fine. But like if you're raising it like a ton, that's when your camera is going to have like a lot of grain that's not like beautiful, but like really like, what's the word? It's like, Pixely, not even pixely. Yeah, it's just pixelated. Like yeah, and I think every camera's low light capabilities are different, and that's really important to keep in mind. So the grain threshold is different based off of every camera and their capabilities, mm-hmm. their sensors, and all of that. So on an old camera that I used to use when I was first starting out, it was a crop sensor and all of that. I believe the grain threshold was around ISO 800-ish. Now on my current camera, it's roughly 6,400 where I start to notice the grain in some images. So paying attention to that threshold on your camera, because it just depends on the sensors. It depends on each camera body. It depends on the make, all of that. Just paying attention to that grain threshold so that you know your limits when it comes to, you know, shooting dawn or dusk or, you know, reception, wedding reception lighting or anything like that. So adjust your aperture and shutter speed to bring in more light to the image before raising your ISO. So my Mm. typical rule of thumb is that, you know, if I'm noticing the image is a little bit too dark, I'm going to drop my shutter speed before I ever touch my ISO because I really want to leave my ISO as low as possible. But there's also a point in time where you have a, a threshold where you can't lower your shutter speed so much because then the image starts to get blurry. And so there has to be another way to let light in the image. And because we shoot with a low number of aperture. So like we always shoot on like 2.0. If you go lower than that, you you can let light in the image that way. But sometimes you want like multiple people in focus. So you can't go super low. So maybe you want to keep it at 2.0 and your shutter speed is already as low as it can go. That's when you really want to raise your ISO. Um, and I will say the difference between, like Evie said, her old camera, the threshold was around ISO 800 before grain started to get really bad. And now it's at 6,400. That's the difference between a lower quality camera and a higher quality camera. Um, So if you're noticing, like, especially if you're on a crop sensor camera, like just a cheaper camera, your grain threshold on your ISO is going to be naturally lower just because that's like the capability of the camera. It's not, it's not built to have a higher threshold. Um, Whereas like if you have a higher dollar or just like a more quality camera, usually that threshold is going to be a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Yes. But unless you're shooting you know, darker situations, dawn, dusk, receptions, events, things like that, you're probably going to be fine with a a threshold of ISO 800. So don't stress about that if you're just getting started into shooting manual and working with your camera. So to kind of recap each of the settings, not really going to dive into, you know, recapping what each of them are or what each of them do, but I'm going to try to simplify it even more and say, as a general rule of thumb, you want your aperture and your ISO to be as low as possible. And then you want your shutter speed to be as high as possible. So that's the general goal when you're shooting, you know, to keep, if you need to let in a little bit more light, Drop your shutter speed a tiny bit before raising your ISO or, you know, adjust maybe your shutter speed down by, 
100 or 150th or something, and then your ISO up by maybe 100 instead of bumping your ISO up by two or 300. So trying to find that middle ground as much as possible is the ideal goal when you're working with your camera settings. And those are our rules of thumb. And and we take those rules of thumb to any light situation we're in. And we remember those rules, which is hopefully helpful to you to remember those rules and then play with them in whatever light situation you're in and, you know, play around. If you're in bright daylight, like, okay, let's do a high shutter speed. Let's do a low aperture and a really low ISO. Bright light is usually the easiest to work with because it's that's like the way that the camera settings kind of cater the most to you, I feel like. If it's just bright, beautiful light, um, it's really easy to expose for that. Whereas if you're in low light, like we said, that's when you kind of have to start playing around and getting a little creative with it to either do as low an aperture as you can, um, as low shutter speed as you can, and as high ISO as you can while still maintaining the balance of no blur and no grain. All right, so I know this was a super technical episode. So maybe listen a couple of times on normal speed or... 0.5 speed if you must. Um, (laughs) Maybe listen a couple of times. Take notes. This probably isn't an episode to listen to in the car. And if you're listening in the car, you go girl or boy and just maybe listen again if you really want to get the nitty gritty down um, to take notes when you're not driving. Um, We hope this was super helpful. I think I hope we broke it down in a way that is easy to understand. This is a question that I think a lot of people might have, especially if they're not professional photographers, or if they're just like maybe dabbling, you know, their toes in the world of professional photography. This is honestly what I learned like the day that I, in my story that I always tell about how I became a photographer, I always picked up the camera and read the manual. Literally reading the manual is what we just shared on today's episode. Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe even in more technical terms, because the manual did not give the barn door analogy that Evie so graciously shared. (laughs) So... So we hope this was helpful. I know it was technical, but go out and practice. If you have a DSLR camera or if you want to borrow somebody's camera, go out and practice the skills and the tips that we taught today and try it in different light. Try it out in bright midday daylight at golden hour at sunset or maybe at dawn or dusk when the sun has already set or before it's come up. Just play around and see what you come up with with the different um, settings in different light scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are cheering you on. We can't wait to hear what you think of this episode. So if you want a screenshot, share it on social media. We would love that. You should probably know our Instagram handles by now, but if you need them again, it's at Mrs. Lindsay Roman, at Evie Rupp, and at The Heart University. So be sure to tag us so we can see and cheer you on. And in the meantime, we will catch you on the next episode. We are always in your corner and always cheering you on.